This week we're going to talk a little racing, and specifically racing royalty out of St. Louis. And when I say St. Louis, I should probably be accurate and talk about Arnold, Missouri, the Wallace family. We're talking to Rusty and Kenny. Mike Wallace obviously did real well at the NASCAR level, but we've got Rusty Wallace, a former Winston Cup champion, did that in 1989, and the excitable Kenny Wallace. I've always been intrigued at their relationship because Rusty uh, is a big-time star, and Kenny will make sure you know that his brother is a big star, and he was one of the premier names still on the all-time wins list for the Cup circuit. But very different personalities. Kenny, as you know, is hyper and loves to laugh and have fun. And I just kind of wanted to get Rusty's take. I've been wanting to do this for a long time to get the two of them together, to talk about their careers, getting their break in racing, maybe some of those moments over the years, you know, biggest rivals, drivers they hated, any horrific crashes that, you know, are not top of mind maybe for some of us that have followed their careers but not extremely closely. We go through all of that. But a lot of it really is about their relationship and what they've learned from each other and kind of where they are in their relationship at this point in their lives. So a lot of fun talking racing and life and representing St. Louis at a big time level. Rusty Wallace, his little brother, Kenny Wallace. Does Rusty think Kenny tweets too much? Does he ever tell him to get off social media? It's a pretty lengthy conversation. In fact, we we went for close to 40 minutes And then we pause and we're sitting there talking just sort of about racing. I used to work up in the Crandon, Wisconsin area, and Rusty's heading up there this year for the Brush Run, which is a big-time race up there in northern Wisconsin. And we're just kind of BS, and all of a sudden I realized we're about to run out of room. I I thought the whole damn thing was going to delete, and so I I just had I got to go. But we had a great time talking, and I hope you'll enjoy it. It's the Kill Coin Conversation. You can find it at scoopswithdannymack.com. That's the Dan McLaughlin website. A lot of great content on there. But you can also subscribe at Spotify and iTunes. And uh, just make sure you get the Kill Coin conversation. Get your subscription that way, whether we're talking to Tony LaRussa or Big Walt, Keith Kachuk, Daryl Strawberry, Ozzy Smith, you name it. Make sure you get it delivered directly to you. Really enjoyed the Kevin Hartland visit last week. A lot of great feedback on that. Not everybody was as familiar with Kevin's St. Louis Roots. So make sure you subscribe to get the podcast delivered directly to you. One of our great sponsors is Appliance Discounters. They're well aware of all of those cannots that the other appliance guys are telling you when you're in need of an appliance. You need it right away. Well, Appliance Discounters, they want to make your life easier, offering full, in-stock, 40,000-square-foot warehouse full of GE appliances. Times are difficult enough. Why wait two or three months for that appliance when you can get it in just a couple of days? Lowest price, GE rebates, great service, and in stock, only at Appliance Discounters. Shop any of their showrooms or online at theappliancediscounters.com. As always, our savings are your savings. Also, the great folks at Marie de Villa Senior Living. It's the corner of Clayton and Wideman Road. I encourage you to take that virtual tour at mariedevilla.com. Beautiful campus, and whether you're looking at the Villa Estates, Assisted living, all types of care, senior living, done the right way, mariedevilla.com. And Triad Bank, that's the St. Louis-based bank, been around since 2005, based in St. Louis, five-star rated bank. If you're a business owner, make sure you're dealing with folks who are from St. Louis. Triadbanking.com, the website in person on Clayton Road in Frontenac. And now it's our visit with Rusty Wallace, his little brother, 
Kenny Wallace. I hope you'll enjoy. Well, I, I want to start. I'll start with Rusty and tell me how young you were when you first were, were driving a car even or a go-kart and you said, you know what, man, I wouldn't mind making a living doing this. Well, I started out, you know, driving these cars back in St. Louis when I was about 14 years old, uh, 15, a lot of stuff going on there. But I, my very first official race was the day I turned 16 years old. I remember my dad and mom had to go to the court and get a court order, uh, waving all the, uh, making sure that the racetrack was uh, clear of anything that might go wrong if I had a wreck or something. So they let me on the track at age 16. You're supposed to be 18. But it got cleared, and that was it. That was the start of my career right then. And, Kenny, you were how old then? Do you remember going and watching, Rusty? Well, I spent a lot of years early in my life helping Rusty. You know, uh, I, I'm not just Rusty's little brother, but I'm a big fan of Rusty. So I didn't start racing until I was uh, 22. And uh, but, but my very first race was 1982, Illinois Street Stock State Championship in Springfield. And uh, then I didn't race for a while, spent my time, you know, always helping Rusty or my brother Mike or my dad. And uh, so, yeah, those were, uh, that's when it all started here in St. Louis. And did you show up, Kenny, and say, hey, I'm Rusty's little brother? I'm Rusty. Did you, did you wear that like a badge of honor when you go to a track? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, hey, I'm, I'm 57 years old right now. And and I'm proud of Rusty, proud of Mike. Uh, but Rusty, you know, he was the he was the risk taker of the family. You know, we came out of St. Louis, and you know, we'd go across that Popper Street Bridge, head up 55 North, and, and Rusty would race against the great AJ Foyt in a great series called USAC up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And uh, I'll never forget bringing back those trophies to Valley Park, Missouri. And uh, you know, I tagged Rusty's coattails. Uh, my whole early life, and uh, it, can't, it it turned out really good. <laughs> and, and, Rusty, you were having a great career, but when you win the Cup title in 89, how much does that change your whole life? Uh, that pretty, valid, pretty well validated everything I wanted to do. I mean, I did a lot of short track racing. Uh, I grew up in St. Louis. Our shop was down in Valley Park. We lived over in Fenton, and, uh, but I was always on the road, always gone all the time. That was kind of like my base camp back in, the, back in Missouri, but I felt as though that I needed to build my name and I had to get my name out there all over the place. And so that's what I did. I was in Bakersfield, California, Jackson, Mississippi, Mobile, Alabama, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I was everywhere. And then um, one day something clicked and I said, look, I have got to slow down and quit going all over the place. And that was a time that I said, I'm going to try to win the American Speed Association Championship. And that was the biggest short track series back there then. So I did it in 1983. I won it. And right away, I got a phone call in 1984. Come down to NASCAR, give you a shot. Raced for a couple of years for Gatorade. Everything went pretty good. And then I got the big shot to go with um, the guys, Raymond Beadle out of Dallas, Texas, and drive the, the car. And then we won the title in 89. And after all that stuff I went through, when I finally won that title in 89, it was just, my gosh, I finally made it. And I'm officially making a living at this deal. Although that's before I was relying on that money from those short tracks to keep on going, but I was making a, a, a real legitimate living then after I won the 89 championship that really set me on top. Do you guys think that NASCAR is sort of shifting back to the, to its roots? You know, like you've seen the dirt stuff and the shorter track is, is there kind of a movement right now? And, and Kenny, you're, you're out there still racing. 
Do you think NASCAR is trying to get back to their roots? I do. I really do. You know, Steve Phelps, you know, who runs NASCAR right now, he came out in the middle of the winter and said, listen, we, we made a mistake. We're trying to make it right. Uh, you know, and it's, listen, it's no secret that NASCAR is down some 60%. You know, we used to go to the Brickyard and there'd be 300,000 people. And I believe a couple years ago, we only had 40,000 people in the grandstand. So you see NASCAR running dirt at Bristol. Uh, they're really, really changing it up. You know, they're, adding on a lot of road courses in Texas at Circuit of America. I never thought I'd see that happen. That's the same track that Formula One races on. I mean, I really think NASCAR's trying to make it right and, and gain some of those fans back that they lost, you know, some 15, 20 years ago. I personally think that that's, that's, that's one way to put it, and I agree with what Kenny's saying, but I also think that, they really feel as though they got to change something. They got to change it up to try to appeal to the masses and, and television is, has a bit to do with that also. And then they're really researching ideas. I mean, who would ever think that, you know, when you were growing up, you were on the dirt tracks and you're thinking, I want to make it big time. I want to make it to NASCAR and you get to NASCAR and it's all the big oval tracks. It's Daytona and Talladega and Charlotte and all the places you dreamed of going. And now because of COVID and different reasons, uh, let's, let's, let's focus on two of them. COVID number one really killed everything last year. Before that, we had issues with people retiring. I retired. Dale Earnhardt lost his life. The Labonis retired. Dale Jarrett, uh, Jeff Gordon, Tony Stewart. The list goes on and on. So a lot of people's, you know, people, uh, their driver that these fans would pull for are gone. They're retired. And so they're really soul searching who they want to pull for, who can fulfill that void. And it's been a real hard deal. And now you got Chase Elliott coming on and people are starting to sign on to him. You got Ryan Blaney coming on. They're finally starting to sign on to him. And the, the race fan is finally starting to find a new hero to pull for. And that's really, really helping. Just about the time we had momentum going there, then COVID hits and slows it back down again. But the fans, every time they open a the track up for, you know, 30% of uh, capacity, they sell it out. They sell all 30%. So it, it, it's on a climb. I think that the dirt track thing at Bristol was a, was a neat deal. Uh, one thing that kind of made that popular is a lot of the drivers like, um, you know, the, the Kyle Larson's and uh, the, I just, Kenny knows them more about their, their background. Yeah. Christopher, Christopher Bell. Yeah. Christopher know, Bell. That's one of them. A lot of those guys come from dirt. So they're really, really promoted. They love having that dirt race at Bristol and they were really pushing to get that, you know? So that, that was a good popular thing. It worked out great for the racetrack. As I'm doing this interview, they're still up there racing. They got a huge race this weekend up there for World of Outlaws, and that dog on the, the dirt is still on the track, and it's going to stay <laughs> on the track for a long time probably before the night race happens at Bristol. But they're trying everything they can to, to make everybody happy and build that sport back like it used to be. Look, do you think there's going to be 158,000 people like they used to be, like you used to be show up at Bristol? I don't know if they'll ever get that back or not. I'll never forget the last year I raced 2005 at Bristol. We had 158,000 people sitting at Grandstand, and every single race was sold out. But then after that, everybody started retiring, and it really slowed that stuff down. I feel like people really enjoyed rivalries, too. I mean, not that you got to punch somebody like a Cale Yarbrough would do, but who, who was it? the Cardinals and Cubs? You got these, you know, rivalries sell. How about for you, Rusty, and then you, Kenny? Who, who was your rival? Was there a driver you just hated? If you could put them into the wall, 
Damn it, you would. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had kind of a weird deal. Uh, the, Dale Earnhardt Sr. was a rival of mine, but he was a great friend of mine. Uh, so much so that we did some vacationing together and our wives and everybody got along great and all that. But boy, when it come race time and the race would start, we're like, you couldn't tell we were friends. I mean, he was trying to steal my money. I was trying to steal his money. And then late in my career, Jeff Gordon came on and he started to be just a real thorn in my side. He, he was so good that I'd be leading these races and he'd pass me with 10 laps to go. I'll never forget. I'm in the big all-star race in Charlotte run along. It was like eight laps to go and I'm leading the race. And I did right side tires, probably should have did four. He did four, drove right past me and passed me. And I'm like, can you believe it? This kid's got my money again. <laughs> and, it was, and, it, and it was always big money. It was big races. It was a million to win and things like that. And, and he got to be a real pain in my butt for a long time. Uh, now he's doing television for Fox. Uh, we've hung out a little bit together. Uh, and we get along great right now. We get along real good. So we get along good because we're not racing against each other any longer. And we can reminisce about the way it used to be and what we did before. And, and we get along great now. You know, Martin, one thing I'd like to add to that is that, you know, when we say back in the day, you know, 15, 20 years ago, there's no doubt there was characters, you know, my brother, Rusty, I love him dearly, but he was not afraid to say what he, what he, what he thought, you know, and that's where I got a little bit of, of who I am. Rusty spoke his mind and, you know, and, and so did Tony Stewart. And you had the, the late great Dale senior. He was the, he was the Marlboro man. He was the man with the black hat on it. We had characters back then and the fans really dug into that. And, you know, along come, you know, the TV deal where we had to clean our act up and uh, you know, you know, the characters are gone and, you know, Rusty, and Dale Sr., they put on a hell of a show back then. The fans would rise at her feet to see, you know, Big Brother and, and Sr. go at it. So they need to they – clean, they clean the sport up a little bit too much, and that's my opinion. Does it ever piss you guys off when they say, oh, you, you guys aren't athletes? But yet I don't ever see a fat <laughs> – I never, I never see a fat guy driving a car, you know? I mean, you, guys, you guys are still in good shape. And, you know, it's funny. They're always like, oh, they're not athletes. And I'm like, did I see you guys now? Everyone's training, watching what they eat. And, again, like, I, I mean, Tony Stewart was husky, like a guy like me, but you never see an out-of-shape driver. What, what do you guys think about that debate? Well, that for a while, that used to aggravate me. And then I started thinking, I said, wait a minute. I, I don't care if I'm called an athlete or not. I'm a race car driver. I'm a professional race car driver. And when I think of athletes, I think of stick and ball. I don't think a stick. I don't think the word athlete attached to racing. A lot of people disagree with me because I'm. I live the time when we get those questions. You guys aren't athletes. You aren't athletes. I went. Well, okay. I'm a race car driver. Is what I am. And then <laughs> yeah. I said, I, I can't hit the ball, and you can't drive this car. That's for damn sure. You know. And so then we get all the athletes would come to our races, and they would just have such a great time. You know, whether it's football, baseball, or singers, or movie stars, or whatever, they'd all be in the driver's meetings, and they would just ooh and ah to be at a NASCAR race. And I got to tell you, when I get to go to a St. Louis Cardinals game, I'm the same way. I just love it, you know? Um, so that really never did bother me, the athlete thing. Uh, it didn't bother me. Maybe some other people did, didn't me, though. Yeah, you know, Martin, it was Donovan McNabb with the Philadelphia Eagles that – you know, he was working for Fox Sports for a little bit. And he said that one day on one of his pre-show, you know, NFL games. And then, of course, you know, 
We had a debate about it. Jimmy Johnson got involved in it. And, you know, Jimmy Johnson, he was winning a lot of championships in a lot of races. And all of a sudden, Jimmy started that lifestyle of, hey, I'm going to work out. Now, listen, it might have made him feel a little bit better, but he didn't run any better. Let's make that, you know, I mean, Rusty's automatically in shape and so am I. So uh, I'm with Rusty 110%. You know, uh, everybody knows that, you know, I I was good friends with uh, Albert Pujols. And, of course, he left St. Louis. And he would say to me, Albert Pujols would say, how do you drive that car 200 miles per hour? I'm like, Albert, how do you stand up in front of a standing room crowd <laughs> and hit a damn home run, you know? So it's two different disciplines. How, how do you guys get in the car and go the speed limit? I've always wondered, you know, like <laughs> – it's got to be hard, like, to get in a normal car and just drive around. And, you know, it, your wife says, hey, will you run to the store? You're like, you damn right. Well, I'm going 90. Like, I, can you drive a normal car at a normal speed? It's Yeah, you can. Uh, I will tell you, though, when people are thinking so hard about different things, whether you're thinking about your profession or, you know, we're back here now. I'm doing I'm doing uh, the, the analytical work for the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR and radio. And so when I'm thinking about the race, I, mean, I find myself going to the track and putting right along because I'm, it's not that I'm distracted, but I'm not in a big hurry because I'm focusing on things. Uh, now, you get me going to the airport here at Charlotte Douglas Airport and I'm stuck in traffic and the flight leaves in 30 minutes. Yeah, I'm, I'm in a hurry. Maybe I'm going to press my luck a little bit on the speed limit. But um, when I was driving, just because I was always wanting to go fast in the race car, didn't mean I wanted to go fast on the track. Now, I will tell you, I've had some hot rod cars, street cars. Uh, one of the first Corvettes, a 200-mile-an-hour car. You get in cars like that, they just want to go fast. I mean, you're sitting there, you feel like you're running 60, and you look down, you're running 95. <laughs> you're going, oh, man, I better throttle back, you know. Those cars just want to go, you know. Like, now I drive an SUV, and when I feel like I'm running 70, I look down, I'm running 70. I say, okay, it just kind of feels right. Yeah, you, you know, Martin, uh, we would race in Bristol, Tennessee, about three hours from Charlotte. And I, of course, Rusty had his helicopter, but I would drive my vehicle up there. <laughs> we'd get done with the race and we'd get on Interstate 81 and head back to Charlotte. And my wife would say, Kenny, slow down. I'm like, why? And I look down and I'm running 90, you know. So <laughs> you get out of those race cars and sometimes you feel like you're crawling in a passenger car. You ever let anybody else drive? Yeah, I uh, I let somebody else <laughs> drive almost all the time. Uh, like especially when I'm at the racetrack, we had our motor coach there, and so I've Kenny's had different guys. I've had different guys help me drive these motor coaches. And so when you get there, you got a support vehicle. You got like an SUV or something that's getting you around all the drivers' meetings, the appearances from Miller Brewing Company or whoever your sponsors are. There's quite a bit of work going on at the racetrack, and so you'll get there in town. You'll stay in your motor coach and who drove your motor coach will be with you all week long. So most of the time I just put them in there. I said, you drive, I'm just riding because a lot of times they'll do what they call, uh, call a, a, a recon run. When they get there, they'll go where we're going to have these appearances and they know how to get into back door. They know the sideways to get in. They got that pre-planned. Everything's all done. Many, many times I just jump in that vehicle and we go through back roads and all kind of stuff, getting to these appearances. And I'm like, man, how'd you figure this out? And he said, I pre-ran everything, and and so the pre-runner driver drove me basically everywhere. Kenny, Kenny what'd you learn from Rusty? What 
great advice over the years or watching him? What did you take from his, his skill set? Yeah, on a very serious note, uh, Rusty taught me a lot. You know, there, there's a couple people taught me. It, it was always Rusty and then the great Dick Trickle. But Rusty taught me one of the most important lessons of my life. It's hope for the best, prepare for the worst. And, uh, you know, that was the number one thing we learned. You know, uh, it, it's no secret that the great Bobby Allison was Rusty's hero. And, uh, you know, Bobby got hurt. And, um, you know, and then the other one Rusty taught me was, you know, save your money for a rainy day. You know, we listen, we're Missouri boys. You'll never see our last dollar, <laughs> you know. So, uh, and there's, there's so much more that Rusty's taught me. A lot of it is, is what he's went through and he shared with me. And uh, he knows how much I appreciate it. Rusty, do you ever call him and say, oh, can he get off Twitter or don't did you <laughs> ever tell him to calm down? No, I actually don't. I enjoy watching him doing what he does. And uh, of late, I've uh, got myself involved in some really high end custom built motorcycles. And my son is building those things. And I really, really love that business. And it's got to be pretty exciting. And so we started a brand new company called Southern Country Customs. And we're building high end what they call bagger Harley Davidsons. And these are seventy dollars to $90,000 motorcycles. And so we went to Daytona Bike Week and I talked Kenny into coming with me. And I tell you what, he did a great job riding that motorcycle. He laughed like crazy. And the whole time he was there, he was tweeting and tweeting and tweeting, showing everybody what's going on. And the whole industry in NASCAR, they almost got jealous. Because yeah. they did get jealous. They got jealous. <laughs> they really got jealous because what they're doing, they're doing their nine to five deal. They're going to work and they're going to that racetrack every single week and they're doing the same thing repetitively all the time. And they got to see us having a great time and building this really exquisite, beautiful motorcycles. And they loved it. They really did. I was getting phone calls like crazy, you know, from people. And then when it was all said and done in bike week, because of Kenny doing all the tweeting and all the stuff he did, we sold five extra motorcycles. You keep yeah. on, you keep on tweeting, Kenny. You sell. What? How about <laughs> how about as a kid? He, he always says how hyper he was. Rusty, did you guys ever say, "Oh, Kenny, knock it off"? Do you have to like lock him in his room or anything? No, no. Kenny's got a distinct laugh that everybody can tell and pick up from anywhere, and that's his his trademark. And they'll go, "Oh, that's Kenny." <laughs> <laughs> you know, listen, I, 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 I honestly, I was born this way. I don't mean any harm. Uh, I'm going to be the first person down at Bush Stadium, and I'm and Martin. I'm going to see you doing your stand up after the game, and I love. I think my deal with um, social media is I'm I'm just excited, and I, I for some reason I just want to share it with everybody, you know. And when I'm at the Cardinal Ball Game or I'm in Daytona Beach, Florida for Bike Week with my big brother Rusty and his son Stephen, and you know, listen, I'm really proud of you know them and. You know, everything I do on social media is I'm always bragging on others. So, you know, every once in a while you're going to get my mouth, but you got to you got to take it all. You know, you can't get just a little bit of it. Martin, I think a lot of people misunderstand Kenny uh, personally. They they all love him and they 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 all say he's so funny and he's such a comedian. But I said I tell people one thing you don't understand about Kenny. I said he's got a real business sense to him, too. He's he's a real smart kid. He knows how far to take it. He knows what he's doing. And uh, for, for he, Kenny could stop right now and do nothing and retire. So he was pretty doggone smart with his money also. 
And, Thank you. Uh, yeah, but you are. <laughs> I, I want you to, I don't think a lot of people hear that all the time. They're, oh, Kenny's funny. Kenny's <clears throat> funny. Yeah, Kenny is funny, but Kenny's really smart too. It worked out good for him. And, uh, and he's real pace, real loving and caring, passionate uh, person too, you know, just a neat, a neat person that they all tell you. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's my story about Kenny. I can go on and on and on, but I try to give him advice that I think. And, and when I give him this advice, he might look at me like, man, you're boring. You're just too boring. No, no, you no, know? no, no. No, he, Hey, Martin, by the way, edit that clip right there and send that to me. Uh, Rusty just now bragging on me. I really appreciate that. But uh, no, you know, but one thing I do want to say that I wish a lot of people out there had the guidance that Rusty gave me. Listen, I love my dad, Russ, and we miss him more than life. But it's no secret. I, I was with Rusty 24-7. You know, I love racing. And, you know, these old, these old hands and Rusty's hands, too, they're pretty messed up because we're fabricators. You know, we, we can make a speech and we can go to the White House, but we're, we're in that shop and our, and our hands get dirty, you know. So Rusty taught me how to fabricate. I was just in Charlotte, North Carolina yesterday watching Rusty rebuild the transmission on one of those Harley Davidsons. So uh, we're all together now, but you'll get us all. You're going to get everything we got. Kind of like Adam Wainwright, right? He's one of the greatest baseball pitchers of all time. But when we see Adam Wainwright in the dugout, he's like me. He's having a good time. <laughs> you know, and what, what Rusty said reminds me, we did a piece at Fox in their football studio, and I had Terry Bradshaw and Howie Long together because they've worked together for 25 years. And we were kind of joking about Terry being this country bumpkin. And Howie goes, hold on, hold on. He said, <laughs> he is laughing his ass all the way to the bank. He goes, you guys are all getting reeled in. And he said, Terry is a shrewd dude. And he is laughing all the way to the bank. So you're right. Sometimes that laughing and lightheartedness, people are like, don't mistake that. That person, we know Kenny, he's pretty – Missouri frugal, I believe, is what he calls You got it. <laughs> laughing all the yes. way to the bank. Uh, do, you, yes. Russ, do you do you miss it? Like, do you miss the competition? Yeah, I do. I, I don't miss it as much as people think I would miss it. I mean, there are so many things when I was driving that I wanted to do, but I couldn't do because I was driving. Uh, my dad, uh, we'd fly to the races and he would go with me quite a bit. And I get to the track, we'd land a plane. I was my own pilot. Had a fellow by the name of Bill Brooks, who was uh, our chief pilot flying with us a lot. And we would land and I said, what are you guys going to do? He said, oh, me and dad, me and Russ, we're going to go up here. We're going to do this. And I'm like, man, I wish I could do that. And there's everybody wanting to, everybody's saying, I wish I could be a race car driver. But after you're a race car driver for a long, long time and it gets repetitive and almost gets boring a little bit. And the stuff that my dad and Bill were doing, I was almost jealous of because they were having some fun times. They were out hunting for old tractors. They were at the military base down in at Leavenworth in Kansas, I could go on and on about stuff they'd done. I couldn't do it. So now I can do things like that. I can vacation a little bit more. I can be with my family a little bit more. But I'll tell you, when Martinsville, Virginia comes around or Bristol, Tennessee pops up, and I'm like, oh, man, I wish I was behind the wheel and at least making some laps and that stuff. That was I, I missed those tracks. You, know, yep. funny, you remind me of another story. Dan Deardorff, you know, plays in the NFL, Hall of Fame player, and immediately becomes a broadcaster and does football forever. He retired from CBS and he got called, his alma mater was Michigan and he's doing their games now. And he said, Martin, I hadn't been to a college football game in 45 years. He said, cause I was always at a football game Saturday before in the hotel studying for Sunday, either playing or broadcasting. He said, can you, he goes, can you imagine that? I haven't been to a college football atmosphere for 45 years. And he finally got that opportunity. 
you know, to your point about getting to do do something once you, you're out of your normal routine driving the car. Well, how about for both of you guys, most harrowing experience, like you know, where you really were like, oh, my God, this is scary. Or do you know it like it happened so quick? Rusty and then Kenny, what, uh, like a moment in the track where it was really frightening. Well, for me, it had to be – it was definitely 1993. It was at Talladega, Alabama, our fastest racetrack in the circuit. It was a last lap. Checkered flag is waving, and I'm coming to the line, and I'm running, I think, third or fourth, I think. And uh, Dale Earnhardt and I, my rival, we get together. I go end over end. The car went up in the air. It flipped 20-some times, and it went across the start-finish line, upside down <clears> with the roof pointing down barrel rolling. I think I finished fifth or sixth in that race as the car went upside down across the start finish line. It ripped the body off. It ripped the motor out of it, broke my left wrist, knocked me out. And when you go back and you watch that race on television, you're going, man, you look at the safety stuff we had back then. I really shouldn't have survived that race, but somehow I survived it. And, um, it was like flying razor blades, the, the bodies flying off at metals going everywhere. And I missed all that stuff. And so that was my very worst accident ever. You go to, I talk to people every now and about, and they'll say, hey, what was your worst wreck? And I'll say, tell a day. And they just kind of roll their eyes. Like, oh, yeah, whatever. And I said, well, go to, go to YouTube and look at Rusty Wallace, tell a day wreck. They look at it and their eyes get this big and they go, oh my God. Oh my God. I can't believe you're alive. Oh my gosh. I said, yeah, it was a bad one. <laughs> hey, hey, real quick. I, you know, you always ask me what Rusty taught me. That, that's another thing Rusty taught me. One of his greatest quotes of all time, you got to remind people they remember what they want to. So, you know, that, that was a great reminder, Rusty. And I, I, I run like 11th in that race and I flew underneath of you and that was devastating to me. But I would say the wreck that changed my life, <laughs> I needed therapy for it was uh, 1991. I'm going to win the uh, Xfinity Championship. And I'm up in Loud, New Hampshire, which is a track that Rusty and myself both ran good at. I won the Bud 300 there, but like eight months later, I go up there and the rear end breaks in my car. And I go flying into turn three, driver's side, and hit my head close to the wall. And um, I remember getting out of the race car and the corner worker saying, Kenny, just lay down here. Let's wait for the ambulance to get here. Next thing I knew, I thought I was at home sleeping. And I hear, Kenny, Kenny, and I open my eyes, and I'm laying on the racetrack in the middle of turns three and four at Loudon, New Hampshire. And uh, it was devastating to me. You know, uh, I look back on that time and thinking, man, if not for that wreck, you know, I'd be wearing a, a you know, Xfinity championship ring. And it, it's taken me a I'm not, I don't know if I'm over, over it still, but uh, – that was the worst wreck I ever had. I cracked three ribs, had a positional vertigo, and uh, but we've done our best to overcome and uh, and prevail after that. Yeah, Kenny's like Martin. Thanks for bringing that up. Let's let's. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. Back, back to therapy. I'll buy you a Bud Light at Applebee's today, and uh, you'll be fine. What? How about then? Let's more positive. Favorite moment? Do you can you narrow it down to a favorite race or win or moment of your career? Wow. Favorite moment. My, um, I got two favorite moments. It had to be my first victory in NASCAR because that pretty well signaled that I kind of made it. Uh, my first victory, that was, uh, you know what, Martin, I'm going to change that answer. I'm, my, it's actually my second victory. 
because my first victory when I won the race of Bristol, I thought, man, I won the race of Bristol. This is great. Then I went home that night and said, it was so hard to get to this point to win this first race. You think of the second one ever happened? Was that a fluke that I won? Was this, is this real? Is this going to happen again? Or I just get lucky. Three weeks later, I go to Martinsville with Virginia and I win again. And I'm like, now I'm in the club. Now I made it. <laughs> I have won two races. I've won two races and now I'm legit and I won. So that was a huge deal. The, the second one had to be when I was put in the Hall of Fame. And then watching mm. my son, Greg, get up there and uh, induct me into the Hall of Fame. It was emotional. It's, it's still emotional thinking about it today. It was a big, big deal for me. And then when I had uh, people like Dale or uh, who was it? Ned Jarrett came up to me and he said, he said, your life's going to change. I go, why? He said, people are going to look at you different. They're not going to look at you as a competitor. They're not going to think about, oh, I hate this guy. I'm going to talk good about him or I'm going to talk bad about him. You are now, nobody can say nothing bad because you're in the Hall of Fame. And when I got put in that Hall of Fame, that was just a huge, huge deal. Yeah, for me, Martin, um, you know, it was not my nine Xfinity wins or, you know, polls or things like that. I believe the most exciting moment of my career, there was a couple of them, just like Rusty. Number one was 1998, the Bud Shootout uh, in the Cup Series. I had a choice to either push Jimmy Spencer to the win or my big brother Rusty <laughs> to the win. This is on, you know, all over the world. You go back. What to race was this one now, Kenny? The Bud Shootout, 1998. Oh, yeah, yeah. Big and, deal. Uh, and it was a big deal. Remember, brother, you, you got to remind people because you remember what they want to. <laughs> yeah. So so one of the most exciting moments for me was 1998, Daytona Beach, Florida, the Bud Shootout. Rusty Wallace and Kenny Wallace finished one, two, and our whole family goes to eat that night across the street from the Daytona Speedway. And you look up. And all over national TV, it says Wallace Brothers finished one, two. And I'm like, damn, we're from Arnold, Missouri, baby. Yeah. <laughs> that was cool. Yeah, yeah that was. Gosh, that was you know, that was that was such a great race because I'll never forget. I'm sitting on the front row, and my my rival uh, Jeff Gordon is on the inside, and we're both in the front row. And I look at my rear, and Kenny's on my rear bumper. I'm like, oh, boy, this is gonna be good. I got Kenny pushing me, but I got Gordon trying to. I, you know, out, out shift me and get through the gearbox and get those babies going. I'll never forget. I'm, I'm outside alongside him. And I started cracking the throttle, just revving it up. And every time I'd rev it up, he'd look over at me. He would just look like this. I go, I'm out here. <laughs> and so I'm going, okay, I'm going to do something here. I'm going to crack the throttle. And when he looks at me, I'm going to nail the throttle. I'm going to nail the gear. I'm going to drop the clutch. I'm going to go. And, I'm, and hopefully when he goes like this and I nail the throttle and go, he's going to be caught off guard. Sure enough, man, I, I cracked that throttle and he looked over and I dropped the clutch and off I went and he grabbed that gear shifter and he's pulling that thing in a second gear and tore the transmission out of the car right there to start finish line. And Kenny locked on my bumper. And we won on him. We won that doggone race. <laughs> but, you know, you talk about playing games on the track. I'll never forget, man, when I, when I rubbed that baby up and he tore that transmission out because I rattled him, that was so cool. And it was a, one of those fun moments. And look in the mirror and see old Kenny there, that was just great. Yeah, we, we, got, we, were, we were coming off a of turn two side by side. And Rusty was locked with Jimmy Spencer. You know, at Daytona, it's all about aerodynamics, and they're locked. And uh, I was pushing Rusty so hard off of turn two that I was literally lifting the rear of his number two – you know, the blue deuce, the Miller, I was lifting it up and I was getting ready to spin him out. 
And I had to start letting off the gas. I remember after the race, Rusty, you said, oh, my God, you were lifting the whole rear of my car. <laughs> it, it took forever, but it was about a second. I finally got Rusty, you know, you know, we, we broke that connection aerodynamically, uh, got away from Jimmy Spencer, and the rest was history, and uh, that was a lot of fun. We, we needed a thought bubble as Rusty's driving, looking in the rearview mirror like, oh, it's that pain in the ass Kenny, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I like him. <laughs> hey, guys, thanks so much for the time, and, you know, it's been great fun for St. Louis, too, to have a rooting interest in NASCAR, and I think it, it's kind of fun when they look up and see, hey, there's one of our own racing at the big tracks around the country. I know St. Louis has gotten a, a big kick out of it. Well, thanks a lot. It's great being on the show today, and thanks for doing this. And, Kenny, I'm glad you're still having fun and still smiling, buddy. Oh, uh, hey, I'm ready to go to Sturgis with you for Bike Week, man. You've changed my life. That's I, right. We're going to Sturgis. We're going to Crandon, Wisconsin. We're going to have fun. We're going to – that's August the 4th. We're heading to uh, Sturgis, South uh, Dakota, for be my, be my 20th year in a row of going to – Bike Week in Sturgis. It's a, it's a great time, and I finally got Kenny going with us. Well, I have to tell you, it went really well, and I think Kenny was a little nervous going into it about how it was going to play out. You know, it's, Rusty is – he's got a lot going on. He's a busy guy, and we, we said we're going to get you on the schedule and do this, and I think he had a great time. We ended up texting a little bit after, and uh, really fun just to kind of hear about their careers and their thoughts on NASCAR and what needs to be done to – improve the sport, etc. So I hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can find us at scoops at and also on iTunes and Spotify. The Kill Coin Conversation brought to you by Appliance Discounters, theappliancediscounters.com, Marie Devilla, senior living the corner of Clayton and Wideman Road, mariedevilla.com. That's their website. And Triad Bank, triadbanking.com, St. Louis-based bank, Clayton Road in Frontenac. Easy to find if you're on Highway 40 there at Lindbergh. Just get off at that exit. You're a block west on Clayton Road. That's all you need to know. Appreciate all of our great sponsors and also to you for checking us out here on the Kilcoin Conversation.